Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Oh, this is where you go ahead and crack open that bulletin if you haven't already. Uh, get your Bible app, your Uversion app open and kind of track along with us it, with our notes. And we're in the third part of a series that we've called Christmas Starter Pack. And we're coming at the idea of Christmas from this angle. Um, you know, if you've grown up in the U.S., Christmas is just a part of our culture. Um, whether you're Christian or not, uh, Christ shows up on one level or another in the Christmas season where Everybody's aware of the whole manger scene, whether we fully understand its implications or not. Um, that there's the baby Jesus that's there in the manger. And, and so, but guess what? In other parts of the world, people aren't familiar with it. And so, if, let's say, uh, let's look at Christmas from that angle. Okay, let's say maybe you went on a mission trip and you went to somebody who was unfamiliar with Jesus and anything that was Christian related and you're tracking along, you're spending time with them, you connect with them say mid-August or something and you're just discipling them, helping them grow, reading the scriptures, praying together and growing daily and then it hits you know, about November and then you go, oh man, here comes the age-old debate, you know, before you know, Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving to put up the Christmas tree. And then the person goes, the Christmas what? A what kind of tree? What? You're like, oh, yeah, you don't know about this. Um, And so at that point, you don't start with a Christmas tree, do we? We go with what would be our Christmas starter pack. We go and say, okay, this is what Christmas is about. And with that person in another culture, we don't say, okay, now you need to go to Walmart and you need to get you some lights. You know, you need to go out and you need to get you a tree. You know, you need to, you know, you need to, to get in shape for Black Friday because it's Black Eye Friday whenever we go out shopping and be able to, to fight everybody for the gifts. And so we, we, don't, we don't carry them through that process. All of the stuff that when we think about getting ready for Christmas, that's very much our culture. It's not necessarily Christian. And so around the globe... Christ followers everywhere celebrate the birth of Christ, but they don't necessarily do it the way we do it. Their holiday meals are very different than our holiday meals. Their holiday traditions are very different, but the core thing, the core pieces should be the same. When it all comes down to it, and that's what this series is all about, that, that Christmas starts with Christ, that it centers around Jesus. And as Christ followers, man, all the rest of that stuff is fine. I've got lights on my house. and My trees are wrapped in lights. And we do all of that kind of stuff. And for us, it points us to Jesus. It's what it's about. It's, it's, it's exciting for us in our household to be able to get all the decorations up and do all of those different things and have all of the Clark holiday traditions uh, that we have. And it's, it's to point us to Christ. But... The truth is, this time of year is crazy busy. It's very intense time of year. And there's a place that Christmas is about. It's about good news. 
It's about this good news that God came to earth, that he cared so much that God took on flesh through the, through the person of a baby and started on the, the human journey from the very beginning part of it. Then just show up as a man and skip all of the awkward teenage years and all of the other painful stuff, having to have a mom and a dad and be told what to do and all those different things. Jesus did all of that, went through the whole gamut of all of those different pieces and understands our humanness in a way I don't think we give God enough credit for. That we don't give Jesus enough credit for for understanding our humanness. That he became human, did it right. Showed us what it looks like to genuinely, truly be human. But in all of this, that's the good news. The good news of Christmas, there's this amazing headline in Christmas that God came to humanity. But in all of the other stuff and the family gatherings and the, the food and all of the different stuff that we do, we can easily get lost. And 116 years ago this month, in December of 1903, something pretty amazing happened. There's a couple of brothers, you've heard of them, Orville and Wilbur Wright, had been sitting there and had tried multiple attempts to break the surly bonds of earth and finally be able to fly and they did it. In December of 1903, they did it. And they flew 120 feet, which is about from where you walk in at our glass doors to over here where the kids hot chocolate and all the kids donuts. It's about that distance. It's about 120 feet. So they, they get out of there and they fly about that far, which is amazing, amazing. As soon as we can fly, we can tweak it, make it better, and go around the world, which we do. But man, that first 120 feet was huge. It was absolutely earth-changing. It was amazing. And so we, most of us don't know Orville and Wilbur had a sister named Catherine. And so after they have flown this 120 feet, this amazing thing, this is before Christmas shows up, they go to the telegraph office, which is a way to be able to get a message out. They go to the telegraph office and they send word to Catherine about what happened back at their hometown. And they send this simple telegram, because you have to pay per word. If you've ever seen the three amigos, you know that can be complicated. But um, anyways, that you pay per word. It can get expensive. So they kept it simple, and they wrote this, they wrote this to their sister Catherine. Said, we have actually flown 120 feet. Stop. We'll be home for Christmas. Stop. That was the telegram Catherine gets. She gets that telegram and she's just like, oh my gosh, she knew her brothers had been working on this. They, they believe they, they were able to crack the code and, and be able to actually fly. And then what an amazing achievement. She gets to be one of the first ones to find out about it. She takes this telegram to Orville and Wilbur Wright's hometown newspaper, sticks that telegram in front of the newspaper editor and says, look at this. And he takes the telegram, telegram what I just read to you. And it says that, and he's like, oh, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. <laughs> what? What? That's what stands out. But at the Christmas season, all of a sudden, we can feel like that becomes what's important. Who's coming? Who's not coming? All of the festivities, all of those different things. And this guy who's the editor of a newspaper gets one of the biggest headlines ever and misses it. They had actually flown 120 feet, and the big headline got lost in the idea of who's all getting together and all of those different things. Folks, the family get-togethers and all those pieces are vital. They're, they're vibrant. They're important. 
But let us not miss the headline. Let us not miss the headline. The headline is Christ has come. God has sent his son. And it has changed everything. It has changed everything. And there's this place where the enemy has tried to to remove everything that helps us to take a step or two closer to Christ. Wants to get us off base, get us off, get us off our, our footing, and wants to take us off, and always has. And in fact, Paul writes uh, to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians. I like the message translation on this one. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, And now I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth patter, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. Christmas is really about our simple purity of our love for the one who came to us. That's what this is about. But all of the other stuff, it can easily begin to cloud it and to, to kind of get in the way of things because this Christmas holiday, this holy day, is simply about worshiping Jesus. This has been celebrated for lots and lots of years and, and folks long before People had workers' rights and should be able to have reasonable working hours and time off and all of the different things that we enjoy in our modern society. Holy days, holidays had been enjoyed. And the only reason some of these employers and taskmasters and stuff would shut down the factories and shut down everything and quit producing and earning was for religious purposes, for holy purposes. And so Christmas and Easter and some of those things in other cultures and other religions, they have their holy days as well. And so as, as Christ followers, we have our two big ones. And everything stops and we spend time with our families because it's a holy day. And let us not forget the holiness of Christmas. It is a holy, amazing moment. Here in Matthew 2, 2, we are, again, we, we catch up with the... The, the wise men. And here in the wise men, they're there and they're, they're wanting to find out. They said and they asked, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we see signs that he showed up and we want to worship. It is a natural response. It's the proper response when we recognize who Jesus is. That worship should naturally come flowing out. And then down on in verse 11 It says, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. This place of worship and this place of generosity just kind of naturally began to flow when they recognized what, what an amazing holy thing had gone down. Worship was a natural part of it. And then in Luke 2.20 The shepherds had been told, hey, while they were watching their sheep by night, they'd been told by the angels, hey, um, here, there's this baby's been born. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's lying in a manger in a feed trough. Go check it out for yourself. And they go and they check it out and they see it. And there it is, sure enough, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, death cloths, lying in a feed trough, a manger. It's like us saying you're going to find the baby in an oversized dog bowl. What? Makes no sense. It's not where you put a baby. You don't put him in a feed trough. But that was where he was. And so sure enough, as they find him in the feed trough, they're like, this must be the only one. This must be him because there's not babies in feed troughs all over Israel. You don't stick babies there. And so sure enough, here he is. He's the one. He's laying in a manger. And so too many of us think that a manger is like a Christmas crib. 
It's not. It is a, it's a feed trough. And so it says that when the shepherds returned from that, from seeing that sight and seeing Jesus, they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So this isn't them at the moment of, of standing before Jesus. They have actually left that. They've had their encounter with Jesus. And as they're leaving, they're still praising. They're still worshiping. They're still pumped about it. Folks, this is one of those things that was life impacting. And whenever they recognize that God came to humanity, it ought to shift the way we look. I love the way that our calendar falls, that our new year comes right after Christmas. I love that. Because there's this place within us with our, our human desire to fix ourselves and all that kind of stuff. We, we, we come into the new year and then we're ready to make our new year's resolutions. And this is how I'm going to make me better and do these different things and, and work, work, work hard. And, and, and God wants us to increase and he'll guide us in that. But there's a place where for us as people who are the children of God, we should have just come from, from looking and meditating and thinking about that God came to us, of that child in the manger, of what God has done for us. And we shouldn't immediately walk away from celebrating what God has done for us to decide what we're going to do for us. That our best life is found in our own self-effort. No, our best life is found in what God has done for us. That's where your best life is found. It's in letting Him provide for us. That is where it is. And yes, He'll lead and guide us in life change. Yes, He'll lead and guide us in those different things. But it's His strength, not our strength, that makes the difference. See, folks, the chaos of the season will try. It'll try to contend for your worship, during the season, there's a time on our demand, a demand on our time, our money, all of our attention, all of these different things. And, and there's just tons of things. Christmas choir concerts, which are wonderful with the kids. All of the different stuff. We had a wonderful ladies' Christmas party. That was awesome, but that was a thing on the calendar. All of these things begin to fill up our time and all that. And the chaos of it can begin to, to put us in a place of unrest. They actually take out of this places that we're supposed to just set and rest and trust. Uh, years ago, I was a youth pastor here in this community, and and um, part of our uh, way we, we operated is we were very we wanted to to go out and get people, and so um, transportation was an issue, especially for middle schoolers. So we had a, a bunch of buses, and we had a, at one point had five bus routes, and would drive and pick the kids up, and to be able to bring them to bring them to to youth group on. Um, on Wednesday night, and so we'd pick up, and we have a couple hundred teenagers there, and it was a loud, crazy, wild time, and so with those, I drove, I was drove and had a bus route myself. I was a youth pastor and had those responsibilities, but I would drive my route myself, so I would go out and go pick up my, my group of kids. We would have youth, and then after it was over, I'd load up, and I'd drive them and drop them all off. So after youth one Wednesday night, I'm going n- north down, uh, north down Bryant and just get past the overpass there at the loop. And so I'm just north of that space. Of course, at that point, Bryant, it, it's three lanes all going the same, all going the same direction. And you know, and you got 40-something teenagers on your bus, it's loud, it's rowdy. Well, man, this night, it was not loud and it was not rowdy and it was creepy. It needed to be loud and rowdy, but it was not. So I've got that big old bus driver mirror, and I'm looking up there and trying to see what's going on. And I see people just kind of looking back at me, which is not good. And everybody behind you is looking at you. 
something's not going good in the back. And so I'm driving along, and then I'd hear a little snicker. <laughs> and so and then it'd be quiet. And so I'd hear a little bit again, and then there'd be quiet. And then <clears throat> as we're moving forward, I see this flash out of the corner of my eye in my side outside mirror. And I see a bus seat fly out the window. And there was one of our wonderful young men who decided it was pretty funny to just take an entire bus seat. You could put three little kids and two big or two big kids. That bus seat, green bus seat, it would apparently not bolt it down good, took it off and threw it out the window. The one I happened to see was the fifth bus seat. There had already been four bus seats thrown out on the road as I'm driving. So that there, there's no telling what went on behind me. As people are minding their own business and bus seats are flying out of a church bus. And so and the things are just going. And, and so, man, I was upset. I was I pulled over. I'm starting to yell at different, at different kids. And I'm like, I'm calling the police. Somebody's going to tell me what's going on. Man, that bus emptied. All of them left. They all run off. They're running through the neighborhood. I have an empty bus. No bus seats. It was a mess. It was not my stellar youth pastor moment. And so it was not one of my prouder moments. And so uh, and I had to go back and find the bus seats. And, and so, but there was this place where the, the, the enemy wants to be able to kind of do that to us. To, to just slowly, as we're just kind of cruising along, to slip out of our lives these things that we're actually put there for us to rest on and to rely on and to have faith in and to actually rest in those places. And he'll just slowly slip them out. Let us be distracted over here, looking over here, doing our best over here, and slowly take these things out. If we, don't, if we don't pay attention, our worship will all of a sudden be slowly squeezed out of this holiday season. And we have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional to make sure this stays a worshipful season for us. Matthew chapter 4 verse 10, and here is Jesus is being tempted by the enemy and, and Satan it's, <clears throat> tells him, All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. God in the flesh didn't come up with something new and amazing to say. Jesus quoted what was already said, what was already written. As the enemy was trying to contend for his worship, is trying to, to reroute his worship and offer him all these different things. Folks, that is why it is so important for us to spend regular time in the scriptures it's important. It's, folks, thank you for being here. I think it's awesome that you took time on Sunday morning to be here. It's amazing. It's awesome. But folks, Sunday morning isn't enough. It's not enough. You're going to have to spend time in the scriptures on your own to be able to let the word be put in your heart because the enemy is going to come in there. And it's not going to be, you're not going to have Daniel <coughs> Gomez just singing and serenading and building you up with awesome worship. You're not going to have necessarily your small group around you in that moment. It's going to be when you're frustrated at home, when you're frustrated at work, when you're frustrated in the other places. And we have to know the, the word enough to be able to say, no, this is the way it is. No, this is the way it is. Just like Jesus did, because it, our, our worship is on the line here. In Matthew 15, we have see Jesus say, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. 
Their teachings are but rules taught by men. So here's this group of people who, who they're worshiping. They're doing the thing. They're at the synagogue. They're at the place. They're going through the different things. But it says you're doing it, and it's, it's pointless. It's pointless. Well, folks, as a professional Christian, my job as a pastor, I, it's my profession, and hopefully I, I have a relationship with God. And, and so as this place, I can find myself that this is my life. This is what I do, and, and I know how to do the stuff. I know how to do the stuff. I know how to worship. I know how to do these different things. I know the vocabulary. I know all of that. But when it's all said and done, I'm not employed by God. I'm his kid. I'm his son. I'm employed by Celebration Church, but I'm not employed by God. I'm his son, and I have to keep that relationship alive like anybody else. And I have to be able to do that. But guess what? Because of my roles and all those different things, I, I know how to go do the stuff. And so I found myself a number of years ago where I'm sitting there, and I, it's time for worship. Amen. And I know what to do. I know the songs. I listen to them on my, in my car all the time. I know the words. I don't need to look at the screen. I sit there, and I know what to do. I put my hands up. You know, and if it's a good tune, I sit there, I can, I can move. And I found myself singing the words that I knew in the right posture. And you, anybody, could have looked on the outside and said, man, Pastor Brandon's really worshiping. But what was happening on, in my head was, I wonder what's going on in nursery. I wonder if everything's okay with kids' church. I wonder if all this, I've got an, I'm responsible for enough here on Sunday mornings that if I don't watch it, all of those other thoughts, all of those other things begin to come in and everybody else is like, oh, Pastor Brandon's worshiping. And I am managing. I am thinking. I'm in a place of fret or worry. I'm in a place that's not worship. And so I caught myself doing that, and I caught myself being one of these people that Isaiah prophesied about. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So if I'm called to be a church leader, I, I, I can't have the responsibilities of it distracting me from being a child of God. And so for me, we can't all do this, and so or else it would be chaos. Um, but if you need to, you need to. But what I would do, if you sit anywhere near me during worship, you will overhear me. Um, say things that are not necessarily the words to the song. I will yell. I will make up my own words. I will ad-lib. I will add extra stuff. I try to stay on with what the subject matter of that song is. And so, but I am engaging. I'm engaging my mind. I'm engaging my heart. I'm using the song we're all singing together to, to, to be a launching place for my worship. Because... If I don't, I will quickly begin to hit into that autopilot mode. And Brandon's wondering what's happening out here and what's happening out there and all those different things. And so finally I had to go, you know what? I'm sure the kids are fine. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to worship. And so we have to, on that there's a place where we have to make sure. And during this season, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this Christmas, change something up a little bit. Change something up. Maybe your Sunday morning routine. Maybe you normally do one thing. I encourage you to, to maybe pull out the scriptures and, and read a little bit. Maybe if you always read the, the, the Luke uh, version of Jesus' birth, maybe you read another place. Maybe you read a totally different passage of scripture. 
It's all pertaining to Jesus coming to us. Maybe do that. Maybe pray together. Maybe have a moment of prayer. Maybe pray for another family. I don't know, but I encourage you to do something different, something on purpose to bring the worship moment back in to this holy day. Do something fresh on that front. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And I tell you what, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of dollars in advertising and really creative people who want us to serve created things rather than the creator. And they're not crafting little Buddhas and they're not crafting these little graven images. The thing is, is there's nothing wrong. I buy my kids Christmas gifts too. But man, I tell you what, we can quickly turn it in to worshiping the latest thing from Apple instead of what the latest revelation God is wanting to give to us. We can quickly turn it in to one of these different things on the latest and greatest, newest and smoothest thing that's being offered to us. And you know what? I, 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 Cutie loves to buy Christmas gifts and I love to see her happy. And so that we, we do lots of gift giving in our home. And so, but with that, um, we have to make sure we're not find ourselves worshiping created things. All the stuff marketed to us that we're worshiping our creator. See, worship is a response to God drawing near to us. True worship, folks, it's not a forced requirement. It's an expression of the heart. It just naturally comes bubbling up when we're grateful and we're appreciative. Some of you this afternoon, you're going to watch your favorite football team and they're going to score a touchdown. And you do not need a prompt of somebody to say, hey, they scored. You ought, to, you ought to celebrate. You don't have to put little flashers on the screen that says, hey, touchdown, cheer at home. Um, you don't have to do that. It just comes out. You just, yes, it's awesome. It's amazing. It just comes bubbling out. Worship does that. When we're really grateful, we turn our minds. That's why if we'll intentionally turn our minds to Jesus and just think about it a little. Man, we can't help but get excited again. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, that worship begins to come naturally bubbling out. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. When those shepherds went, they were there outside of Bethlehem, they go to Bethlehem to see God with us. They go and see God with us in a manger, in a feed trough. That was what they went to see. They went to see a, man, a baby there in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus was referred to as the bread of life. So here in the house of bread, there's Jesus who is there in a manger. And later on, that that was presented to us there at the house of bread, this in a feed trough, would later grow up. And he would grow up and he would minister and he'd open the eyes of the blind and he would, he would multiply bread miraculously and do some amazing things. And he'd tell a story that's documented in Luke chapter 15 about God's heart of grace and love as this loving father. And we know it as the story of the prodigal son. And here's this, this son who, who gets his inheritance early and decides he don't need dad and his influence anymore. He's going to go out and he squanders everything and he finds himself destitute. He's flat broke. He's poor. And he needs to get a job because he's hungry. So he gets a job and the only place that will hire him is a pig farm. 
Well, good Jewish boy, don't like pigs. That's a bad job for a Jewish boy. And so this Hebrew Jewish boy is having to take care of pigs. And it's the only job he got. And he has to go out and his job is to feed them. And he has this bucket of slop, that has, this bucket of pods. It has these, these seed pods in it. And he has to go out to a feed trough and dump that in the feed trough. And as he is looking, scriptures say, Jesus tells this story. And he says, as he's looking down into that food for the animals, he's looking down in that feed trough, that's when, and he began to desire it. He began to want, I want to eat that. And he's looking down there saying, I want what's been presented in this feed trough. That was when, his, it says, he came to his senses. And he thinks, you know what? My dad's servants are all taken care of. they got bread to spare, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to ask dad for a job. And if he'll just hire me, I'll be okay. And that begins his journey back home. And we know the story. He's embraced with open arms. He's given the robe. He's given the, the ring. The fatted calf is slaughtered. He, uh, grace upon grace upon grace is poured out to him. But it started for him as he looked down and was willing to eat what was presented in a feed trough. All of us, all of humanity, all of our life change begins. And we're beginning to receive what God presented to us in a feed trough. In a feed trough. See, most of us would think the bread of life would be presented on a gold platter in a palace somewhere. That that's where this kingly thing would be, but it wasn't. Because not all of us have access to a gold platter in a, in a palace somewhere. But all of us, all of us are able to go to that lowly place and say, you know what? We, I, we can, God will meet me in the lowest of my lowest place. When, when society says, I don't even deserve pig slop. God says, I will meet you right there. I will meet you right there. That is the moment of his love. That is the beauty. And Jesus, as he's telling the story of a good and loving father, is telling his own story about being presented as the bread of life in a manger and a feed trough. He is pointing us the way. And when we finally say, that's what I take, that's what I need for nourishment. I've tried it all on my own. I've wasted my efforts. I want that. That's when we come to our senses, and that's when restoration begins. That's when it happens, folks. That's how it goes down, and there's simply no other way for that. Let's look at Matthew 2, 2 again. Let's look at Matthew 2, 2 again. Because here are the wise men, and they come up and they said, and, and they asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They're asking this question at the palace. They're asking this question at the palace. They went to the capital and went to the palace and asked the king. Where is the, where's the new king? We've come to worship him. He wasn't found at the palace. He wasn't found in the capital. He wasn't found with the king. He was found in the feed trough. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who have once been far away have been brought near through the blood of of Christ. We've been brought near through what he's done for us. Hebrews 10:22 says, "But let us come near to God with an honest and true heart. Let us come near with a faith that is sure and strong. Our hearts have been sprinkled, our minds have been cleansed from a sense of guilt. Our bodies have been washed with pure water." Folks, our bottom line this morning is that we draw near to the one who drew near to us. 
That is what this is about. That is what Christmas is about. And I love all of the, uh, the, the, the rest of the extra American Christmas stuff. But when it's all said and done, the only reason we have any of that is because God came near to us through Jesus. And it all should point us back to him. All should point us back to him. See, when God gave us Jesus, folks, he gave us everything. He truly, he truly did. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.